off a DVD and it wasn't very good quality. And then I, um, I looked up on YouTube and the whole video was there in much better quality. <laughs> it was um, supposedly uh, promoted by Oprah Winfrey uh, a number of years ago, so it's about 20 years old, I think. Tuesdays with Maury. Mitch, the uh, reporter, Mitch Elbin, he had uh, a great respect and love for his sociology professor, uh, Maury Schwartz, and that was in his college days, uh, and he promised to keep in touch. You saw that in the video, uh, but life got busy. And then he heard that Maury was, was sick and didn't have long to live, and so he reconnected, and you saw at the end there how he felt the embrace of um, someone he'd neglected for a long time. Uh, and he realised that when he spent, this is, as you go on in the movie, he realised that when he spent time with Maury, he was a different person. His whole perspective uh, on life and the world changed uh, when he was with him. And so he soaked up the wisdom that flowed uh, from Maury's lips and he knew that Maury wouldn't be around forever. And so he began to prioritise the time that he spent with him. And what began as a, as a trip to Boston, just to say thanks and goodbye, uh, quickly grew into weekly uh, life-changing visits. You know, today I want to talk to you about leaning into God. Uh, Yvonne's explained beautifully the idea of these gears, and I want to focus on the two gears on this side, God and us, and the fact that as we lean into God, God empowers us to do the things that he wants us to do and be fruitful in the world, but how vital and important it is for it to be a priority for us to be leaning into God, learning to be constantly engaged with him, building a, a deep, growing life um, of intimacy with him, a life-transforming relationship with Jesus that sustains us and uh, defines who we are. You know, that might not be something that's at all familiar to you this morning, and so uh, I just encourage you to listen in because it's at the very heart of, of following Jesus. You know, Mitch had promised to stay in touch with Maury, but he failed. And uh, if you're like me as a follower of Jesus, there are times when you fail. It's very easy to get out of touch with Jesus, the one we vowed to, to live for and stay in touch with. And maybe today's the day that you resolve to get back in touch with him. Imagine what it would be like if everybody in this room, if the whole of our collective NCR community resolved today that we're going to live as close as we can possibly live to Jesus. You know, like Maury, um, Jesus had some very close friends Am I on? Yes. I'm going the wrong way. There we go. Oh, I made the gears go faster. Did you like that? Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk about this intimate connection today between us and God. Jesus had some very close friends who he shared life with and he developed an intimate relationship with. We refer to them as his disciples. And... Jesus was very aware that his time with them was coming to an end and he began to share a whole lot of things with them. And in John chapters 13 to 17, the Gospel of John in the New Testament, uh, there's just a, a wonderful uh, four or five chapters of uh, Jesus communicating these uh, incredibly important things that he wants to share uh, with his followers. And the priority for him is intimacy. But amongst all that, he shares about uh, the fact that he, he says all the time, I'm going away, I'm going away. And the realisation must have hit them pretty hard that he wasn't going to be with them forever. And they wanted to, to grab hold of everything that he was saying to them. But he talked to them about love, he talked to them about unity, he talked to them about serving, about betrayal, 
about denial, about comfort, about the Holy Spirit, about bearing fruit, being useful and fruitful in the world, about how we live in the world and about prayer. But the priority of all that he was saying to them was actually this whole idea of being intimate with Jesus, the intimacy, the priority of an intimate relationship with Jesus. And in that context, he uh, really would make us uh, believe and, and think that actually this intimate relationship with Jesus is more important and, well, it's a priority over what we do in the world. And you, what, that's not that we neglect what we do in the world, but that's, that actually follows from our intimate relationship with Jesus. So it comes before action. It comes before serving or mission, as we call it, as, as followers of Jesus. It comes before this sense of productivity. And for those of you who are like me, who's pretty uh, a little bit task-oriented and like to tick the boxes of the things that I've done, it doesn't come naturally to make a relationship with Jesus a priority when there's all, th- all these things that need to be done for Jesus. And yet the truth of, of the Bible is that this relationship needs to be a priority, an intimate relationship with someone who wants to be our dearest friend. I want to read to you a, a passage in the Bible in John 15 about the vine and the branches. Listen in. I've, I've highlighted green words. I hope they're not a distraction. I know Ali doesn't like green words highlighted, but I've put them there for a highlighting. And uh, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you... You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Wow, what an amazing passage. And it goes on. But I've just kept those first eight verses. If you've looked at the verses, the words that are there, you'll notice that there's a word remain that appears, I think, about eight times. But uh, let's just go through it quickly. It says that the gardener is the father. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now, I'm not a gardener. I know some people like Karen Chia and others around here are gardeners. I just sort of keep a reasonably tidy yard. I mow and I prune occasionally. And... I've got some roses, standard roses, and someone told me once that you can't kill a rose by pruning it. And I've proved that to be true because I've, I've made this little bundle at the top of this standard rose about this big and it still comes back and it comes back better. And so the purpose of pruning is to promote growth and to promote fruit. So the gardener is the father and the vine is Jesus. He's like the trunk, if you like. The vine's task is to give life. If a branch becomes disconnected from the vine, it dries up. I've got a a tree in my backyard that uh, fell down in the wind a a couple of weeks ago and I've recovered the bit from the neighbour's yard and it's all in my yard, the bit that fell in my yard. And uh, within a week, it's all dried up and withered. All the leaves just about have fallen off the the branch because it's not connected 
to the, to the tree, to the centre uh, part of the tree that was giving it life from the roots. And so the vine's task, Jesus' task, is to give his followers life, real life. He's the source of our life. The branch is a follower of Jesus, so you and me, we're branches. Okay, This is the picture that he's painting, we're branches. And the, bra- the, the follower of Jesus, or the disciple's task, is to remain in the vine. He says that word eight times, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. And then having remained, to bear fruit. Now fruit is a product of intimacy with Jesus. If we're living in an intimate relationship with Jesus, fruit will follow. You can't stop fruit happening when you're remaining. So if you've got this sense that if I spend a whole lot of time with Jesus, I won't actually be effective and fruitful, I think we've got it wrong because as we spend time with him, we become uh, who he wants us to be and you can't stop fruit happening when you're remaining. And then it says, this is to my glory, my father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so the objective of all this isn't just so that we look good, it's actually so that God looks good. It's a means to an end, this bearing fruit. Well, you say, how does that, how does that work out in, uh, in reality? And I want to um, reassure you today that I'm, I'm probably talking stuff that's a little bit, sounds like theory, and Ali and Stu are going to come out up later and they're going to make it really, really practical. So uh, I'm going to finish reasonably quick and they're going to come and give you the practical stuff. But I want to talk to you about uh, the promise of God's intimate presence in our lives In John 14, in this same passage, Jesus talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate, which is also sometimes translated comforter or encourager or counsellor or helper, who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognise him but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus promises in this last message to his followers that he's not going to abandon them. He's not going to leave them uh, alone. He's actually promised them that his, his Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit would come and he wouldn't just come as a presence around them, he would be in them. And so he says, the Holy Spirit, the, this advocate, the one who comes alongside you to help, which is really the literal translation of that, that comforter word, he moves into a relationship with you. So when a person becomes a follower of Jesus, God's Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, God's personal presence comes and lives within their life to give them the power to know him and to live the way he wants them to live. He lives with you, it says, and he's going to be in you. So Jesus actually says, it's good for you that I'm going away because I'm limited by my humanity. I'm just one person. But as I go away, I'm going to offer my, send my spirit and my spirit is going to actually permeate the whole world and he can live in you and you and you and you. And so as it, we could all be connected with Jesus if he was the senior pastor, but he could only be connected with a limited number of people. And so the, the wonder of Jesus' promise is that the Holy Spirit would come after he went away and would indwell followers of Jesus. And what does the Spirit do? The Spirit gives power, according to our little diagram here, but the Spirit is actually the personal presence of God in our lives. 
And so when we talk about fruit, it's the spirit that makes us fruitful, makes us useful uh, for God. In another passage in the book of Galatians, it talks about the fruit of the spirit. And as we're living and indwelt by God's spirit, these are the sort of things that come out in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And then he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, we, God's Spirit indwells us. Let's live in a way that's actually consistent with who is living within us. And so we have this uh, promise from God that as we come and follow Jesus and choose to live his way, that he will empower us by his Spirit who will live within us. Now, there's two dangers when you start to think about um, intimacy as, as the primary thing because it's very easy for us to think, well, if I have this, this close relationship with Jesus, I could almost use it as a utilitarian sort of thing. If I have this close relationship with Jesus, then God's going to look after me. My church will grow. My family will be good. God's going to bless me. So that's a danger. It's not the way we should think. The other danger is that we actually put intimacy second to, to, to uh, the other things like uh, serving and uh, if it becomes secondary, it, it then becomes all about my performance. So I'll feel like I'm pleasing to God if I'm actually doing a lot of stuff that looks impressive in, in terms of uh, its effect on the kingdom of God. And I might think that I'm being effective but I'm actually doing it Uh, in my own strength and not in God's because I haven't been relating to him in an intimate way. You see, the priority is actually being in love with God for God's sake. Being in love with God for God's sake. Not for what I get out of it, but because I love him. There's an Old Testament prophet called Habakkuk and uh, he's a, a great little book and he, he wrestles with a whole lot of questions with God and there's a whole lot of things going wrong that he just can't fathom. But by the end of the book, he says, though the fig tree doesn't bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in, the, in God my Saviour. See, he was in that place where he'd wrestled with uh, God and realised that actually his world wasn't quite how he thought God should be making it. But God was still God, and he still loved him, and he knew that God loved him in return. And he said he'd be joyful. You know, Jesus, in Mark 3, it says he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out. And in that just little verse, you really have this idea of intimacy, that they might be with him. And there's 12 of them, so there's a sense of community. Uh, and he wants to send them out to serve. But the priority is intimacy. They needed to be with him uh, and then go out. And uh, their relating together was important and their serving was important, but their spending time with him uh, was primary. So I, th- I think I've stressed that enough, that the, the importance um, of our relationship with Jesus being an intimate and the, the most important relationship in our lives. You know, it's, as we said before, you can't stop fruit happening when you're connected to Jesus. 
An illustration from uh, the, the Gospels is this illustration of Mary and Martha. And uh, you probably know the story. If you don't, listen in. As Jesus and his, as, and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to stop. Tell her to help me. Sorry. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Mary had chosen to sit at the feet of Jesus. Martha had chosen to do all the, all the tasks that she probably thought were really important. Uh, and yet Jesus says, hey, there's only one thing really needed, and Mary has chosen that thing. Someone has suggested that it's possible for let, to let our relationship with Jesus become like a marriage where we give so much time to the children uh, that we neglect the relationship that we have with our partner. And uh, you've probably seen that happen in, in marriages. Children thrive when uh, their parents are, are together and united and uh, have that close relationship. Just finally, I want to talk about some threats to intimacy. You and I struggle with this whole idea of remaining close to Jesus. And in the uh, this John 13 to 17, where Jesus is speaking these final words to his disciples, there's a few things that come out. Peter's there. And uh, Jesus gets a bowl and, and a cloth and wants to wash their feet and dry them. And Peter says, not me. You'll never wash my feet. Are you going to wash them? You'll never wash mine. We don't know whether he felt unworthy or he was just too proud. But he was actually refusing God's love. And, you know, I think we can be in that position sometimes where we feel either we don't deserve it or we don't need it. And so we refuse God's love. Let's guard against that. Having washed their feet, he says, I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Do for each other what I've done for you. And so there's this challenge for each of us that our relationships with each other as followers of Jesus within this church family and beyond are really, really important. And you know when you've got a fractured relationship how difficult it is for you to sort of just operate and how difficult it is for us to actually maintain a, a level of intimacy with God when we're struggling with relationships with other followers of Jesus. So the, the message is re, don't refuse to love one another. Life is hard and uh, life contains a whole lot of disappointments and suffering and pain and Jesus was in John 15 talks to them about all the things that might happen uh, and how difficult it would be to live for God in the world. He doesn't paint a, a pretty picture of how it would be to be a follower of Jesus. They weren't going to win popularity contests in the world. Life has its share of troubles and how we, act, we, we react to trouble can hinder our relationship with Jesus. It can either lead us to, to rely on him more or it can, can, we can choose to, to create distance. Then there's failure and guilt. In this um, passage we talked about how we, Jesus talked about betrayal and uh, he talked about denial. He predicts Judas' betrayal and he predicts Peter's denial in this passage. Both of those things happen. And uh, Judas ends up taking his own life because he felt so bad about what he'd done in betraying Jesus. Um, Peter, on the other hand, 
realises what he's done in denying him and his, his relationship is restored in the most beautiful way in the, at the end of John's Gospel where uh, Jesus challenges him, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me and gives him a job to do. You might be sitting here today and you feel racked with failure or racked with guilt and, and feel, hey, I just can't get close to God because there's too much in the way. It's impossible for God to actually be even interested in me because there's, there's so much that I've done that's just not acceptable. You know, God is like Mori. God wants you to come back to him and he's got his arms wide open and he wants to embrace you and he wants you to, to re, re, uh, re-engage with that intimate relationship that maybe you once had, maybe you've never had, but you need to have. So I just challenge you this morning, if it's failure or guilt that's uh, keeping you distant from God, you need to deal with it. And then finally, failure, uh, busyness or apathy. In uh, Luke 14, we have that parable of the great banquet and uh, all these people invited to the banquet and one says, oh, I've bought a field, I've just got to go and check it out, I can't come. Another one says, oh, I've bought five yoke of oxen, I've got to just go down and see if they're okay. Another one says, I've just got married, I can't come. You know, So all sorts of excuses why I can't come to this uh, banquet that's been prepared. And I wonder for us, one of the greatest challenges in our 21st century world is busyness. We get so busy doing all sorts of things and we're pulled in so many directions uh, that we struggle to find time for the relationship that is going to actually sustain us, going to define us, going to make us the people that God wants us to be. Let's just uh, read that verse again at the end. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Last week, uh, four or five people from here were asked just what it looks like for them to uh, live in in an intimate relationship with Jesus. What does it mean to actually spend time with Jesus to, as we say at NCR, to immerse themselves in him? So just have a look here. There's just a a little video clip. One more. I have a number of ways I spend time with God, I suppose, on the train each morning into the city. Close my eyes, often uh, not off, but uh, very often I find myself... Uh, just praying or contemplating life and another time I spend with God is uh, when I'm out on my morning runs as well. I find it's quite a peaceful time. Um, I do love to listen to the worship so I need, sometimes I just need that stillness of the house and it's great when the kids are are, are at school or the house is empty Um, and it's sometimes the busyness of life and I I fall into bed at night and and I end up praying and praying and praying and and I thought maybe I should have done this at the beginning of the day but by the end of the day there's lots to be praying for again anyway. Um, I'd say it looks a lot like spending a lot of time in prayer, and I find that that is my probably my favourite way to spend time with God, just constantly little bits throughout the day of praying and just being in conversation with Him. Uh, also, reading my Bible is super important, but definitely one of the more difficult things. Um, but, yeah. Well, uh, I guess there's um, various different times that I can feel that um, God's presence and particularly when I'm maybe out in the atmosphere, maybe fishing, maybe riding, um, generally times when I'm on my own and um, and it's quiet. Uh, I can not only appreciate the beauty around me, but I can appreciate the God who made it. Uh, it's definitely not easy. I think it's very rewarding, but it it takes a lot of commitment and time to 
really be prioritizing putting time aside for that. And so that's that's definitely not an easy thing in a busy world that we live in. I think it's important for me because it helps uh, not so much to make sense of the world and, and life in general, but also to give me a sense of where I am in the world and uh, my place in the world as well. Um, uh, it's important to me, definitely, because I notice the difference when I spend more time with God throughout my week. I notice when I've been reading his word and praying and being in conversation with him and just enjoying his creation and all that. I, I notice the difference in my mental health, in my happiness, in my joy, and the way that I then show love to others as well. I think um, to acknowledge the fact that he is my creator. Um, without him, I wouldn't not feel right or comfortable or uh, the fact that he's there all the time that I can depend on um, as a solid foundation to my life. Well, my whole life is revolved around God. Without God, I am nothing. And so that's why it's so important to build into my life of who God is so that I can be him to those around me. Again, without God, I'm nothing. Good morning. I would like you, please, to imagine, imagine yourself a vine, a beautiful, thick, um, filled with life vine, and it is going all through this building. In fact, it's going incredibly close to every single one of you, whether it's above your head, along the back of your chair, but it is throughout this room, and it is incredibly um, close to you, and it is pulsing with life and with goodness. And of course, if we listen to Steve uh, this morning, we know that this vine is Jesus. And you know what else pulsates through this vine is this eternal question. Will you be with me? Will you remain in me? Will you be with me and stay close to me? And that question goes out to all of us. Will I hear that whisper? Will I choose to remain in him? Will I choose him in me and me in him? Every time that we pause and be aware that God is present with us, that he is real, whether we speak to him, whether we open our Bible, whether we paint or draw or sing or do an action, that is a moment of remaining in him, of hearing that eternal whisper and remaining in him. I learned something which amazed me this week, um, and it's biology stuff, so if, you, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I think I'm right. And it's all about, I wanted to know, well, actually, how does a branch remain in a vine? How does a branch remain in a trunk, a vine, whatever a branch remains in? I had no idea. I thought it just stuck in there. But this is called a branch collar. These, all this wrinkly stuff on some trees and vines, it's really obvious, and some it's really subtle. But all of that is called a branch collar. And if a tree branch falls off in a healthy way because it's rotted or it's died then it leaves this collar here it is an amazing thing and this is how a branch collar is formed when a little I know a good biology lesson when a a little new branch comes out of the main stem the little new branch is growing first and it knows I've got to hold on to this big main vine. And so it sends down, this it's the green one, the new one, it sends down this thing that holds it to the tree. And then it's the turn of the big branch, the big um, mama thing, vine, to have a go. And he goes, hang on, there's a new branch here and it's precious, I need this branch. So I am going to put a collar 
around this, and I'm going to envelop myself around this and hold it. And over time, this happens every new growth. The branch does it first, then the main um, stem, the main vine does it next, and it does layer upon layer upon layer all around um, the branch, and it holds it so strong. And it means that this branch can grow much, much stronger, and it means that this branch can reach much, much higher. Now, Jesus says that we are to remain in him. I need my helpers, please. Not my team, my, my helpers who are going to illustrate this to us, Eva, Phil. Thank you. So, um, over there, please, Stu McCartney. This is Stu Mac. He's my partner here, and he's my real partner in life. <laughs> and um, and they're going to, I've only got two arms, so it doesn't work with just me. So, um, we're going to... We are one. It's all right. Panic not. And they are one. <laughs> And they represent Jesus, of course. And we represent me, of course. And, um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to illustrate this whole remaining in Jesus thing. Okay, so th- they're Jesus. So this is the vine. This is the branch. And when I wake up of a morning and I go, I have not spent time with God forever, but today I'm going to actually choose to remain in him. Fresh start for me. Putting aside the guilt, I'm going to remain in him. And I put this into Jesus. My branch begins this shoot out in Jesus. And when I do that, God is so pleased. And he says, I'm with you. Later on in the day, when I just pause for a moment, maybe it's at lunch, I am in a crazy, crazy rush to do all the things I need to do. But I know that I need to stop, and I actually need to open the Bible today, and I'm going to pause with God. And so I pause with God, and in that moment, God is pleased. Maybe he'll reveal something to me through his word, maybe he won't but he is with me in that moment. And then later on in the day, maybe I have yelled at one of my kids and I know, oh my goodness, I shouldn't do that. And so I go, God, I am so sorry that I have done that. Oi, thank you. Uh, I, sometimes I'm a bit forgetful. Um, and I say, sorry, God, I'm so sorry I've done that. Help me to know before I actually lose it tomorrow um, so that I can stop myself. And God is so pleased that I have paused in that moment and I have remained in him. And then as I get into bed that night and I am pretty exhausted and I can't find my own words, maybe I look at an ancient prayer that's been prayed down through the centuries, I don't know. But I am spending a moment with God. Thank you. And, and God is pleased. <laughs> Put your hand over there. <laughs> and God is pleased. And he is with me in that moment. And what we discover through the day, even with the morning, stay there, even with the morning, and knowing that I will do this again the following morning, what we find is that I am immersed in God and that God is immersed in me. Thank you, helpers. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Yes, thank you. And in that moment of a mercy, it means, like all these people shared, that I can be stronger in him, whatever I am going through in life, that I can reach higher to the taller trees and the taller branches, whatever I am going through in life. And Jesus, through that vine, every day invites us, will you immerse in me? Because I choose and I want to immerse in you. Every day he says, I will be with you. Will you be with me? As Steve said, and if you've been around NCR for any amount of time, you will know that immerse is the word that we use for those moments when we stop and we just recognize God's presence with us. This vision, I love this vision, and immerse is that intersection of the gears. Immerse is God with me, me 
with God. And it is very, very good. And when we immerse individually, we are fruitful. And when we immerse as a whole body, it is incredible, the fruit that will just come from us. As we've said, immerse can sound so simple, but it can be so hard um, knowing what to do. So we are so excited, aren't we, Stu? Because in this very moment, we are launching Immerse 2019. And Immerse 2019 is a support network because we believe that we need support um, to do this, that we all need support. So it is a support network so that we can remain in him, a support network so that we can immerse and so that we can be fruitful. Stu. So I've been asked to talk a little bit about what, what are we actually going to do. And I guess I need to explain to start with, this is not a program, okay? I need to stress it. We're not going to be checking things off. We're not going to be saying, you're not doing that, so what's going on? This is not a program. This is an inviting you to join with us in a journey, in a sense. Um, I, I guess I, I speak to a number of people, and particularly the, the girls that I, like, I talk to a bit, they, they love to journal. Okay, and this program or this 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 immerse is not saying you know what you've got to get up every morning or you've got to get and journal because you know what I don't journal like hate it. Okay, they can journal, I'm not going to journal. So we are encouraging you because my life is really really different. I'll, I'll listen to podcasts, I do a whole lot of different things, but we're going to encourage you to to in your rhythm of your life to find the things that you enjoy doing or the things that you do just naturally and to immerse yourself in that sort of way with God. So how do we do that? To start with, we, we want to tell you how or encourage you when to pause. Again, we've got some ideas, but it's all about helping you to in the rhythms of your life. When are you going to connect with God? We've got a few ideas when it comes to what to do in pausing. Okay, again, I'm not going to journal. Go for your life. Knock your heart, knock yourself out. But what else are you going to do? How can we support you and encourage you and give you some resources when it comes to actually finding things to do in that rhythm of your life? And finally, the connection. Finding that connection as a community, as a small group of people. Um, I'm going to be honest, I've talked directly to the blokes here. We suck at this, like we do. So finding a couple of other blokes to connect with, to grow with in life, but as we grow closer to God and to talk about that sort of stuff, there's my challenge to you blokes. Connect with someone to grow closer to God. It's all about the pause. It's all about being deliberate. And as Steve was saying, making it a priority of your life. Because I know you, I don't know whether you've been on a camp or that sort of stuff where you've immersed yourself for that amount of time in God and you come away and go, that was fantastic. We know what that's like. What would it look like to go, you know, that's what I want more and more and more in my life. Okay, so I'm Ali, if you haven't got that and this is Stu, and this is our job at NCR. This is what we love, this is our job, and so we want to spend a lot of time with you guys helping you to do this. Part of our job is um, community stuff as well, but this is a huge part of it. How do we grow us in our time spent with God? But we can't do it alone, because there's a lot of you, so... There we go. These guys are terrified to come up, but we're going to invite them up anyway. They're really, really good at the behind-the-scenes stuff. So can I invite Harvey? Can I invite Chris? Can I invite Megan and Wendy to jump up on here and really, really briefly tell us, answer a couple of questions? Can't you see they're dying to get up here? Come on. There we go. Amazing, they've all got their name tags on, so you know who we're talking about. So, 
One by one, guys, you've been asked to join the team. I guess the question is, why are you willing to invest your time in this? I love spending time with God, and that's a really big and important part of my life. But I know that, for me, it can be something hard to do regularly unless I have people around me supporting me and encouraging me along the way. So I'm excited to be part of a team helping with a mess for this for people. Um, I believe that God really wants us to know his presence with him throughout the day and we can only do that if we spend time with him and that could be intentional time of stopping getting out of our regular busyness and stopping or it could be being aware of God's presence throughout our day in our daily activity. So for me it's, it's, it's just fundamental to being a Christian and um, so if I can be of any help at all I'd love to, to be able to help. You know, I get so much uh, joy and pleasure out of spending time with God. And I want to see everybody having that experience. And um, I want to see people experiencing the sheer abundant joy of knowing God deeply and enjoying him. I have, in my ministry, I find people say to me, oh, I know I should do it. Or they say, oh, they're just missing out on spending time with him. And I, I wouldn't want anyone to miss out on on uh, knowing and enjoying God on a daily basis. So, yeah, that's why I'm in it. And I'm just really passionate about um, helping people grow in their intimacy and their relationship with God. And so when Stu sort of chatted to me, it was sort of a no-brainer in terms of my stage of life is is tricky, trying to juggle almost three kids and, and work. So helping other people try to work out, okay, how do, how do I fit God into my life and my rhythm of life and grow closer to him in that space? The other question, um, what would it look like if the majority of us um, sort of jumped through this? I wonder whether any of you just had this wow, amazing thought, vision, that sort of stuff that they'd like to share with us. Any? Harvey, yep. In, um, in Ephesians 5.18 and 19, it says that uh, when we're immersed or filled with the Spirit, we have a desire to tell others about the joy that God's giving us and uh, the joy in our hearts and giving thanks. So I can see that the atmosphere at NCR and beyond would be even more joyful and, uh, and positive and worshipful than it already is. And that would flow out not just into NCR but to all the people around us in our relationships. What a difference that would make. I'm looking forward to that. So these guys are part of the team. Please, if they go up and chat with them at any point to find out if you've got ideas or anything, that sort of thing. Um, they're not just questioning you to try and find out where you're at, but they're actually here to absolutely engage you and support you, encourage you. So thank you very much, guys, for, for coming up here. And so we would ask you to sign up to this support network so that we can um, send you things to remind you. We're actually going to launch it again next week with a breakfast at 8.30 in the foyer if the weather is fine. So on the little white cards that are the communication cards on your seats, we would love, if you know right now, I want support, I need support, can you just write, I'm in, I need this, some sort of, and your name so we know who you are. Um, (laughs) Some sort of thing on there so we know, yep, I'm in this, support me in Immerse. Something that we know, yep, this person wants to be part of Immerse. We would actually like to see every single person who considers themselves a follower of Jesus at NCR signed up to this. So if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus at NCR, we would like you to be part of this. Because we're not going to 